Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. It is Super Bowl 43 weekend, and we've got lots to discuss. Coming up in segments three and four, my conversation with Denny Galati. He is a vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch. And if you want to know what it takes to make a Super Bowl spot from uh, start to finish, from the ideas about the spot all the way through to implementation, if you want to know about where spots run during the game, all kinds of information coming up in my conversation with Denny Galati from Anheuser-Busch. It's a long conversation, so we're going to dedicate both segments three and four to that conversation this week. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the Sports Business Radio podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. We have a Facebook page. We've got lots of friends from around the world. Thanks for joining. If you haven't joined, go on to my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Link to our Facebook page and become a Facebook friend. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, uh, it's not often that I can say I was hit by a truck this week, and, and I actually lived to tell about it. I was T-boned by a truck this week, and uh, I'm still alive and able to, to do this show, so I'm a pretty lucky guy. Yeah, you got a little pep in your step to be uh, be still walking this earth. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate uh, after that, and it makes you think about uh, what's important in life, that's for sure. The Cubs but, winning the World Series, right? That's right. Exactly. It has to happen in my lifetime. All right, so Denny Galati, you know, he's been with Anheuser-Busch for a long time. And, you know, it's fascinating the process of uh, creating a Super Bowl ad because it's not like you're just creating a normal ad for an ad campaign. This is an ad that's going to be seen by an estimated 100 million people. So a lot of thought, a lot of money, a lot of time put into Super Bowl ads, not only for Anheuser-Busch, but any company that's buying an ad. Well, I imagine it's super fun. I work at a small ad agency, so we do brainstorm and come up with ads, but I can't imagine the magnitude of coming up with a Bud Light ad or a Budweiser ad, the most popular ads during the Super Bowl. So again, if you've always wanted to know what goes into a Super Bowl ad, stick around for my conversation with Denny Galati in segments three and four. Anheuser-Busch has won USA Today's Ad Meter Award for the last 10 years. That's for the best Super Bowl ad. So they've got a lot of experience with producing some really good ads. All right, coming up next, Sports Business Radio headlines. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, Super Bowl 43, the Cardinals, the Steelers, this weekend on NBC. Tickets for the game. Last year, tickets were going for $3,000. This year, you can get a ticket for less than $1,500. If you wait around close to kickoff, you can probably get one for less than 1000 So the demand for tickets to this game, far less than tickets to last year's Patriots-Giants game in Phoenix. Uh, also... $3 million is the going rate for a 30-second ad during this Sunday Super Bowl on NBC. To put that into some perspective, for the first Super Bowl, $42,000 got you a 30-second ad. Nathan, give us a preview about some of the ads that we can uh, expect at the Super Bowl. Well, as of right now, NBC has just two 30-second ad slots remaining. Those will likely fill up soon. The biggest advertiser in this year's Super Bowl, however, is going to be PepsiCo. Five and a half minutes for Pepsi. We normally think of Budweiser and Anheuser-Busch being the leader because we see so many Budweiser and Bud Light ads. They're going to be four and a half minutes. Two pop culture icons are going to come back into the Super Bowl. Ed McMahon and Bobby's favorite, MC Hammer. They're going to appear in a Cash for Gold commercial. The commercial that everybody's talking about, however, is the remake of the Mean Joe Green commercial, Coca-Cola commercial, in which now Troy Palomalo from the Steelers is going to take that role. And it's funny, one of the things he said that was hard about doing this commercial is Mean Joe Green was actually mean. And Troy Palomalo, he's kind of a big teddy bear, if you will, super nice guy. So he said it was hard for him, and he thinks the critics are going to be harder on him about the ad than they are about his performance on the field. $300 million, the economic impact expected for the host city of Tampa. Lots of parties going on, but uh, Playboy, Maxim, several other events, including Bobby's favorite, the Lingerie Bowl, canceled this week due to poor economic times. And the Lingerie Bowl was actually canceled because there were there was a dispute about playing the game in lingerie or playing it nude. And uh, the NFL came out this week and basically said, we're not running a nudist colony. And uh, if they're not playing it in lingerie, then they're not playing it at all. Why, why are they pulling it? Because of economic times. I didn't know that uh, underwear and bras were that expensive. Well, I think that isn't really due to economic times. It's more <laughs> the, the Playboy, the Maxims, uh, I know. The, the people who have these lavish parties. Uh, it's not working in, in these economic times. Well, I wish, uh, nonetheless, I wish I was at any one of those parties. The Super Bowl, I know, is, is one big party and a good time. And like you said just a couple minutes ago, I'm surprised the tickets are as low as they are, especially when ad spots are up to $3 million. Tickets have dropped. Now, I know one of the popular things for the Super Bowl is counter-programming and then programming before and after the game. We can expect NBC to have like a 15-hour pregame show. But after the game, Nathan... I know one of your favorite shows, The Office. Jack Black, Jessica Alba, they're going to be guest starring. So, again, NBC's kind of saying, look, we've got 100 million people tuning in to watch the Super Bowl. We're going to have a special edition of The Office on. And 
put some big stars on yeah, there. Yeah, it's going to be an hour-long Office, and there's a lot of Office fans out there. Uh, Office is one of the few shows on NBC that's actually really successful right now, so it gives NBC a chance to really go up against the big shows like Ray's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives, and Lost, of course, on ABC. Steelers or Cardinals, who do you have? I'm going to go with the Steelers. I love the Cardinals. I'd love to see the lovable losers win. Or I guess they're not. Well, they're kind of the lovable losers. But I think the Steelers are just too tough this year. But I think it could be a good game. Bobby. I'm going Cardinals by 10. Cardinals by 10. Steelers by 14. That's my pick. All right. I'm going to go Cardinals. But I have to preface that with saying that I think I've incorrectly picked like the last 10 Super Bowl winners. So uh, take that for what it's worth. All right. Our next headline. Barry Bonds. His trial coming up on March 2nd. And former Major League catcher Bobby Estalia is expected to provide significant testimony to support the government's contention that former San Francisco Giants outfielder Barry Bonds knowingly took steroids, this according to a source with knowledge of the evidence. Two sources have confirmed that Estalia has been subpoenaed to testify in Bonds' perjury trial, again, March 2nd in federal court in San Francisco. And Estelia is expected to provide testimony of firsthand knowledge about Bonds' alleged steroid use. Estelia is going to be one of only uh, a handful of people uh, that are going to be testifying against Bonds' former teammates. So a lot of stuff goes on in the locker room, some of it very private. But, you know, if you're around a teammate for a few years, they get to know you a little bit. And it sounds like some of... Bonds' ex-teammates with first-hand knowledge that he was, in fact, using steroids, they're going to be appearing at this trial on March 2nd in San Francisco. Well, here's the thing. Barry Bonds is not that well-liked as a player with his teammates and, for that matter, throughout the major league. If you're a really well-liked guy, chances are your buddies aren't going to rat you out or your teammates aren't going to rat you out. Like McGuire and Sosa. Yeah, exactly. Barry Bonds, nobody really likes him. He was a terrible teammate, had to take his own bus, his own locker room, all that garbage. Well, now it's coming back to haunt him because people did not like him very much. Who was it, Jeff Kent, that used to get into to brawls with him all the time in the dugout? I mean, this is the type of person that Barry Bonds is. Yeah, I don't think it's going to end well for Barry Bonds. He could do some prison time. Look, if they don't get him for perjury, they're probably going to get him for tax evasion. So his <laughs> lawyers are for. well. His lawyers are going to be very, very busy, and he's going to have to really defend himself. Our next headline: Could David Beckham be saying bye bye to the MLS and the LA Galaxy? It looks more and more like that may be the case. Uh, he's going to be on loan with AC Milan, but it looks like he may stay with AC Milan after the March 9th deadline. And it will be expensive for Milan to transfer Beckham from the MLS. It will cost them about $6.4 million. But, you know, this is interesting because a few years ago, Beckham was hailed as the savior for Major League Soccer. He was the guy who was the Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods-esque player that was going to put the MLS on the map. And while he's done some nice things, I honestly don't think he lived up to his contract and to all the hype. I don't look at MLS that much differently today than I did two years ago before he arrived. Well, it doesn't help at all that he was injured for a good part of his stay here, his tenure in the U.S. And the other thing, what a black eye for the MLS. We talked last week about the fact that their Thursday night game is no longer going to be on ESPN. It's going to be on other nights, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. So MLS is really on, they're, they're going downhill right now and they need something, another signature player to come in and save this league. Yeah, I would say so. I don't I don't know if I'd say save the league, 
but they need someone to come in and give them uh, some real visibility and credibility to be able to continue to get the, t- the type of money from the TV deals that they get and uh, to get people interested in their league, the casual fan. All right, our next headline, the poor economy continues to impact the sports world. The first headline with that is ABC ESPN Sports President George Bodenheimer this week addressed ESPN employees, said they're going to be instituting a hiring freeze. They're not giving any raises to top executives, and they expect 200 jobs will be cut within the next year. This is not good news for fans of the worldwide leader. And, you know, ESPN, uh, they've put all this money out there for rights fees for the BCS, which they just secured, for Monday Night Football, for the NBA packages, for the Masters, for, for tennis. Yeah. I mean, you have to wonder, has have all those uh, investments, you know, not gone sour, but they put a lot of money out there. So, you know, I don't know. They're obviously not getting the advertising they were hoped for when they put the money out there for rights fees for those investments. Well, they'll be getting the viewership. People are still going to tune in, the people that still have cable and haven't dropped it, but the people are still going to tune in. The unfortunate part is, as we've talked about for the last couple of months, advertisers are pulling out everywhere. You know, the Super Bowl was much harder to sell this year. Usually it sells out a couple weeks in advance. They're still scrambling for spots just two, you know, two days before the Super Bowl. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, you know how it works. Uh, the sporting programs that they buy are just uh, ways to get eyeballs onto the advertisers. I mean, advertising pays for everything, and it helps pay for the rights fees. The Redskins and the Colts of the NFL, again, the NFL scene is like, you know, the the bulletproof league, so to speak. Well, not really, but, you know, you know what I'm saying as far as the economy goes. And the Redskins and the Colts this week, they had to lay people off. The Colts eliminated approximately 25 positions this week, and the Redskins made their second wave of layoffs this month, letting go a bunch of people from their uh, non-premium seats at FedEx Field. So teams around the world of sports are feeling this, and you know we've seen the sports media. I just think, as we said at the end of 2008 on our year-end show, what's going to be the number one story of 2009? It's the economy, and we're not even... A month into January, and in the United States, 209,000 people have been laid off. 68,000 people alone laid off this past Monday. It is ugly people, and it's only going to get worse, and the disposable dollar is going to be harder to get people to separate from. Well, and I hate to use sports as a metaphor, but the NFL losing money or laying people off is pretty much a good indicator for the rest of the economy because it is just a powerhouse financially. No, I would agree with that. All right, coming up next, my conversation with Denny Galati. He is the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch. They're spending $27 million on ads for the Super Bowl. They're pretty uh, well set, and the economy isn't hurting them too much. $27 million. Everything you want to know about producing a Super Bowl spot from A to Z, that's coming up next with Denny Galati. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. (laughs) 
Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. On February 1st, upwards of 100 million Americans will tune in to the broadcast of Super Bowl 43 and the most exciting and entertaining ads of the year. In its 21st consecutive year as the game's exclusive alcohol category advertiser, Anheuser-Busch is once again running more ads than anyone else. They're scheduled to run 4 minutes and 30 seconds worth of ads that will cost the company approximately $27 million in airtime alone. The beer company is the winner of 10 consecutive USA Today ad meter polls, wherein consumers rate their favorite spots as they appear during the game. My guest is Denny Galati. He's the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch. He joined us last year around this time to talk about Super Bowl advertising. Denny, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Hey, Brian. Thank you for having me tonight. So Anheuser-Busch regularly spends more money on Super Bowl advertising than any other company Denny, explain to us why advertising the Super Bowl during the Super Bowl is so effective for your company. I mean, you guys have done this for a number of years, and it's been very effective for you. Yes, it has, Brian. It's been very effective over the years. And and one of the reasons why we do spend what we do is because, first of all, it really helps kick off our, our one of our, uh, you know, the, the beginning of the year, the selling, the beer selling season where we're building displays um, out with all of our retailers right now, Super Bowl. Believe it or not, it's the seventh biggest selling week of the year for our company. And it's, only, um, it's the only week in the top ten that is not in May, June, July, and August. So a lot of people may think, oh, the summer selling season, that's when a lot of beer is sold. Well, Super Bowl, there's a lot of displays up, and now we made it a big beer selling season. Another reason why we do it is because of the audience. There's 100 million people out there that are actually watching Super Bowl, and a lot of them, most of them, are our beer drinkers. They're, they're our audience. And so we want to talk to them, and they're, very, they're paying very close attention to the commercials. They love seeing the commercials. So what better uh, venue, what better program could we have but you know, that many consumers paying attention to our ads that are being run? So, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, there's, there's questions of what we spent, but, you know, honestly... It's well spent because, you know, we're here to sell beer, and we know that the Super Bowl helps us do that. So, um, um, you know, it is a big time for us. It's a big time to get our messages out about our brands, and that's one of the things we're doing in all of our advertising. And so, um, hey, when we're selling beer and increasing our market share, um, that's what marketing dollars being spent are all about. Do you have any way to measure the return on investment from these Super Bowl ads? I mean, do you see a bump in sales uh, right after the Super Bowl? Do you have any way to track that? Oh, sure. The the week before Super Bowl, the week after Super Bowl with display activity is all measured. And we see such a spike in sales given the fact that in our retail uh, display building, and we know that all helps sell beers. So, yes, we do see numbers coming in 
regularly around this time just because of Super Bowl. Now, Anheuser-Busch has the exclusive rights in the alcoholic beverage category for the Super Bowl through 2012. Besides ad time during the Super Bowl, what else does AB get for purchasing these exclusive rights? I mean, I'm assuming you're getting, you know, a suite at the game, maybe some tickets. Is there anything else that you're getting as part of uh, this exclusive partnership? Well, I'll tell you what, because of the exclusive partnership, we're just getting, you know, focus on our brands and just specifically our brands. And that's very important. Um, you know, within the NFL and given the biggest program of the year. You know what else we're getting out at this time is, um, you know, individuals like yourself that are so curious about Super Bowl ads, a lot of PR activity that's happening all around the Super Bowl. And uh, that's one big plug for us as well. Um, you know, with NBC or, or CBS or Fox and uh, the networks, there are deals that, you know, that are struck and, and those dollars are struck, and yes, we do have our commitment out to two, uh, 2012, but um, honestly, it is the actual game advertising that we're, you know, that really is where our value is, to, and, uh, you know, for us to actually talk to our consumers, given that, that program that gets to so many at one time who are really focused in on our message. That's the key. That's the key behind what we're doing. We're joined by Denny Galati. He's the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch. Denny, because you are spending so much money on Super Bowl advertising, again, more money than any other advertiser during the Super Bowl, do you have any say in where your spots run within the game? Oh, yes, we do. Because we do um, spend you know, a fair amount of money during Super Bowl, we do ask that we do get the 1A position. Um, in a lot of our ads that are going to be that are going to be shown on Super Bowl, for example, that day right after kickoff, the first ad on Super Bowl is ours. We also have a 3A position and a 5C position, which means again, during these pods that when you see advertising run, we are in really good position for our ads to be seen when they're run. Now, again, in our 60s that we have two of this year. We have a 7AB position and a 16AB position. Again, all positions that we know are, are prime positions within the Super Bowl. But, you know, honestly, as the, game's, you know, the game is played and if the game is close, um, a lot of, of, of the ads that are being played out there by advertisers are going to be, you know, going to be watched and they're going to be shown. But, yes, we do get our fair share and we do get, um, you know, the – um, the first pick of, of some of the prime positions. So that's interesting. I mean, if you're looking at this grid here and it's got the four quarters of the game and it's got halftime, I mean, are you more inclined to uh, have most of your ads run in the first half in case the game is a blowout and people are tuning out the game in the second half? Is that how it works? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you know, over the, you know, the past couple of years, the game has been, you know, quite exciting throughout. And I think, um, one of the things that we're finding is that consumers actually, uh, you know, and, and, and the audience watching the Super Bowl are as, as interested in the ads as they are the game. So believe it or not, they're going to pay attention throughout all four quarters of what's going on. You know, if the game's not uh, playing very well to see how the ads are going. However, um, there is some truth to being into the first quarter and the first half. And uh, most of our ads right now, most of our time and what you're going to find is that we have – uh, we have actually two, three minutes of our four and a half minutes in the first half. Interesting. Hey, let's talk about what goes into creating your Super Bowl ads. How many months in advance do you start planning for the Super Bowl ads? I mean, first of all, do you say, okay, we're going to have this many minutes, and then you 
kind of plan from there and say, well, we need six spots or seven spots, and then you start producing your spots? How does that process work? Sure. It's, it's a long process. It's one that's, um, um, you know, pretty intricate as we go through it. But we'll start somewhere around August um, and start asking the agencies to, to start thinking of some ideas, give us some ideas about Super Bowl. You know, we'll give them the brands. They understand the strategies. We're giving them the briefs. Our agencies go through multiple, and I mean multiple, multiple ideas, and they understand Super Bowl is more than than just the average program. They understand that um, they have to be strategic in what we're delivering with our ads, but they know these ads have to be entertaining. They have to be fun, and they have to be to some degree, and, and some of them have a little surprise to them. So they're just a, they, they just have that, um, um, the, they're more intriguing, you know, when you're on, you're on Super Bowl. So we're looking for some of that type of creative to make sure that um, we have that entertainment level beefed up at least for a Super Bowl. But again, always remembering that we have a strategy and a brand message to deliver, and we're never going to, uh, you know, com- you know, we're never going to give up that. So then, what we do is we have these ideas that come in. We look them over. We'll go to research and and have these ideas researched. Um, we'll have consumers tell us what they think of them. What are they communicating? How entertaining are they? from a script slash uh, storyboard um, um, method. And then from there, we'll also put our gut into these spots. We'll tweak them. We'll kind of work them. We'll finally get them to a point where we have selected this number of spots that we want. And in this situation, obviously, again, we have uh, a total of seven spots that are running. So, you know, we may do eight spots or, or nine spots in production. We'll go into the production in November, December, um, always looking at different endings and different ways to improve the spots with a multitude of, of different vignettes that make these spots, you know, better and keep improving them and keep improving them until we finally get them to a point where we go to research with the edits uh, in January. And we may go to three cities in January with the edits. And then the consumers will tell us what they like or are what they're getting out of these spots, what they're communicating, the likability of these spots, uh, the entertainment value of these spots. Are they Super Bowl worthy? Would they consider them to be spots that are worthy to be on Super Bowl? And so all that is gathered as we're putting these things together and internally talking with senior management and the agency and trying to you know figure out the best ways to um, to improve the spots up until you know actually today, which. Um, you know, I can say that we may be final on these spots, but we're still working the lineup. So I guess that that's my follow-up question. A, you know, do the networks and the NFL require that you submit your spots in advance so they can pre-screen them? And then when is the deadline for handing in your spot for the game? Well, I will tell you the networks and the NFL do want to look over these spots, and, and they would probably like for us to be, um, uh, you know, in to them about a week or two earlier than we are now. But we're always, you know, looking them over and improving. And some are done. Some we know that are finished and, and, and they're, they're all the way through the process. Others that we feel that they're just not ready and we're going to work them a little harder. And then we go through the networks where we go through standards and practices and, and all the, um, uh, the NBC, NBC folks to make sure that there are no issues on their, on their side. The NFL looks over our spots to make sure that there are no issues on their side. And... Um, Obviously, they would like to have that all done, I would say, a week ago as well. But, um, you know, we like to give them a little bit of a 
a run for our money as well. And so we're we're pretty well there with the spots. We're done um, maneuvering them around. Now we may, you know, they have all the spots. They may have eight or nine spots that they're holding, of which we have seven spots to run. And we have a lineup that we're ready to go with, but we may tweak it and change our spots up until it's been um, on Friday, Saturday before the game, we've put in a spot. I don't want you to tell them that. They're probably still very concerned. <laughs> is, is there ever an instance where, uh, let's say, that uh, the network, this case in NBC, hasn't sold all of their inventory and there's another opportunity for you to add maybe one of your spots that you thought was going to be left on the cutting room floor into the game? Uh, you know what? We haven't had that. Usually our, our plan of the number spot, just because of the of the biggest of Super Bowl, we know how many we're going in with, and it's always pretty much stayed at that number. Um, there are opportunities, for example, maybe in a pregame or postgame, that we may have an opportunity to run an extra spot here or there. But generally in the game, um, because of the bigness of that game and the values, they're pretty well locked in before and not giving away anything. We'll be right back with more of my interview with Denny Galati from Anheuser-Busch. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection, not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu, and they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We're joined by Denny Galati. He is the Vice President of Creative Development for Anheuser-Busch, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. Denny, let's talk about some of your spots this year. I know you don't want to give away too much, but I know that you're going to run, uh, I think it's three Clydesdale spots during this year's game. And the Clydesdales have really become an iconic symbol synonymous with the Anheuser-Busch brand. I want to ask you, you know, you don't usually uh, associate Clydesdales and beer together, but it's worked wonderfully for you, and it's, again, synonymous with your brand now. How did you guys first come up with the Clydesdales in relation to Anheuser-Busch? Well, I'll tell you, you know, Brian, you hit on a good point. The Clydesdale are so iconic for Anheuser-Busch. They, they represent the company. They represent quality. They represent tradition, heritage, um, Everything about the Clydesdales are so synonymous with the brand Budweiser. It is, it is, it's something about strength. And right now, uh, given our times, and, and times are a little hard out there, there's nothing better than, you know, again, showing the Clydesdales and showing how, how um, you know, you, you look at these magnificent, magnificent animals, and they, they're just they're beautiful, but they represent uh, something about our company that uh, just came about over the development of years. Obviously, they were introduced in 1933 at the end of Prohibition, and um, they, they were, um, at that time, 
um, uh, there was a wagon at Eight Hearts Hitch that went up to, you know, down, you know, to visit President Roosevelt and to deliver the first case of beer after Prohibition. Hmm. And uh, ever since then, they just became so well-liked. They've been in so many parades. Uh, they've been, you know, they've been around all of our tours that people just came up. They love them. They're gentle giants. They really are. They're they're magnificent, very large animals that just became loved by the the American public, and it just it, it, it's an it's an American iconic um, symbol that Budweiser has picked up, has used over the years, and used very carefully because again they represent um, the tradition, the heritage of our company, and they represent Budweiser, which is nothing other than quality, and and it's. And it's, there's a reassurance when people see the Clydesdales. There's such a reassurance that everything is so good and fine, and that's what we're trying to display, that, that everything, there is a time to laugh, there is a time to feel good, maybe there's a time to feel emotional. And these, these animals help us deliver that, that type of message as well. So the Clydesdale is obviously a big part of your strategy. When you're shooting these ads, is I guess opposed to like doing the the what's up campaign or the dude commercial where you're using human beings, does it take you longer to produce these ads because you're working with animals? I mean, you probably have to do a few more takes, right? No question, Brian. It takes us a little bit longer. They're very, very smart, but we do have uh, specific trainers uh, that are involved with helping us. They'll they'll take the Clydesdales. They'll look at the script, and they'll they'll before we even go to shoot, they'll go out three or four weeks earlier and train the Clydesdales on specifically what they're going to be asked to do at the shoot. And you know what's amazing is that they are so smart that when they're at that shoot and we have this, uh, what we'll call the horse whisperer, this Robin, that he does, he does such a great job with working with the Clydesdales that it's all he has to do is they look at him, he says what to do, he raises his hat, he may raise his hand, they are so focused, and they do exactly what he is as required them to do. Again, it, it is just amazing. And you're right; working with animals is very difficult. Um, they're treated obviously very well, better than you and I will ever be. <laughs> but it is a matter when they're out there and they're performing. They are so focused in front of the camera. I just don't know how they do it. There's no nerves about them. They just perform. So at the end of the day, they're going to the horse spa, is what you're telling they're me. They're going that. to the horse spa, and they're getting the best to eat. I've seen. You know, you'd think a 2,000-pound Clydesdale would have the hardest, hardest time jumping over a three-foot fence. And uh, it's amazing how we had, a, we had to do this in one of our spots. He did it so magnificently that he, it was just it was amazing to see. I don't even know how Robin got him to do it, but he got him off the ground, and he was up and over the thing three or four times on three or four different times, or takes. Danny, just a few more minutes left with you. Uh, Late-night TV host Conan O'Brien, I guess he's going to be starring in a Bud Light spot for you guys during the Super Bowl. Uh, again, talk about the strategy of using someone like Conan O'Brien. He hasn't been in a major Super Bowl spot before. And there's always the question of, you know, do you use uh, non-name actors, no-name actors like you did in the, in the Dude and the What's Up spots, or do you go out and hire uh uh, Conan O'Brien or a Justin Timberlake or someone like that to appear in your big spot during the Super Bowl? Well, you know, like every year we always like a little surprise, and Conan O'Brien is one of our celebrities, a talk, a talk show host from NBC, who came to us and, you know, we were talking with and decided that he would do a, a spot with us. Actually, um, it, you know, he didn't even charge us to do this spot. He, what, what he did say 
is would we donate some funds that we all agreed to to his favorite charity? And we said, fine, that's great. We would love to do it. So we came up with a spot with Conan that was perfect for him, and we showed him a script because he said, hey, look, if I was going to do it, you know, show me a script that you would want to get me involved with. And we had this spot about Bud Light, which we were showing him that his agent comes up to him and says, hey, Conan, I, you know, it, this is a great opportunity. I know you don't do advertising, but what a great opportunity to do a spot for Bud Light. Believe me, it won't get you, it, you won't even see it. It's only going to be shown in Sweden. No one will ever view this thing. Well, that's about as far as I can go with the spot and explaining it. But he does such a great job. It is so funny. And his likeness and having his character, you know, in on it, because he is a celebrity, just gives it a little bit bigger push. But to answer your question, yes, every, every year we do try to have a, um, a surprise, and Conan O'Brien's another sur- surprise celebrity. So will he, we won't see his spot here in the United States when we're watching the Super Bowl? It'll only be shown in Sweden? Oh, no, no, no. That was what the spot was about, that he, the agent told him that it would only be seen in Sweden. Little did he know it was, it's going to be shown everywhere. Okay. And in, and in the Super Bowl, you will see that probably in the second spot of the game. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, last question for you. Uh, you know, and I think we touched on this last year. The internet has become a real big part of the Super Bowl advertising strategy. Whether it's uh, companies leaking their spot a little early and trying to get uh, a few hundred thousand extra views, or whether it's in the spots themselves that run during the game, the companies directing people a call of action of sorts to a certain website. Uh, I know you guys use uh, BudBowl dot com. Um, Talk about the internet strategy because that's something that's really changed in the last few years. Yeah, the internet has been a big, a big, big, um, a, you know, place for us to actually. We we found out over the last two or three years, mainly over the last three years, that allowing the internet to play with not only what we're doing on Super Bowl and on that day and on 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 major networks, but also playing with the internet just gives it that big bigger part of the uh, of the venture. It just makes it a bigger, bigger program, and obviously the the internet is getting so large. This year, what we did from January 1 through the 21st, visitors uh, would go to budbolt.com and they can opt in for a text program to view the secret spot. We have it, what we call this a secret spot, something we would not run on, on uh, TV and something we, we wouldn't want to run on TV. And on January 22nd, the registrants would receive a text message with a code to unlock the secret spot so you could see the secret spot. And um, the secret spot is about a magazine buyer who comes up. He thinks he's just going in for, um, uh, you know, to get some Bud Light and maybe some batteries and maybe a magazine that is a little bit off color. And when he does it, little does he know that things are going on there. The, the, the girl behind the, the back doesn't know exactly what she's actually looking for. She's asking the clerk in the back, which is embarrassing him, and then there's people coming up behind him that are his old friends from high school, a girl from the prom who is virtually just saying, um, I haven't seen you in such a long time. What are you doing here? And he's getting embarrassed because he's asked for this magazine. This person behind the, the, uh, you know, the counter is saying, hey, uh, is this what you wanted? Is this the, um, the type of magazine, this porno magazine is what you're asking for? And it was, it's just a funny, embarrassing moment that goes on and on and on about different vignettes. And, uh, you know, I can just only, is right now it is on BudBull.com to be opted in. And I would 
urge all of your listeners to go ahead to BudBull.com and just check this out. It is the, one of the funniest little two-minute skits that um, it's you know something that, like I said, we wouldn't put anywhere but Internet, but it is, it is a funny little skit that's a plus during Super Bowl. But again, it just helps us play um, you know, with getting consumers to think about Super Bowl, think about BudBull.com, and then all of our AB ads will be available for downloads on PDAs, phones, iPods, and BudBull.com as well. And as you know, these things get viral, and uh, they go on and on and on. So the Internet plays such a big part of what we do. Yeah, I mean, that's the big difference is uh, several years ago, before the Internet was so big, you showed your spot during the game, and that was the only time to view it. Now, these things live on, and like you said, they're viral, and you can get a million or two million downloads after the game runs. And that's really, in my opinion, where you get your, your return on your investment, because you know, those, those views are free. Yeah, so you're speak. right. You're right, Brian. And I'll tell you what, just think about it. You know, you're getting total focus to the ad when someone's wanting to play it. You know, they're asking for it and want to see it again and play it on the Internet. You, you know, you're actually, again, you're getting, cons- you know, you get our audience on that, on the Internet is actually saying, I am paying so close attention to the message that you're giving me right now. Well, Denny Galati, he is the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a very informative, educational conversation for our audience. And uh, best of luck with Super Bowl 43. Hopefully it'll be uh, 11 consecutive USA Today Ad Meter poll awards for you. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Well, Brian, hey, listen, thanks a lot for having me tonight. Uh, I want to say that we do hope it is 11 in a row. And we're going to really go for it. And I know that I was—I heard this may be picked up by American Force Networks. So I yes. want to just send a little message out to all of our, uh, uh, you know, our military troops and everybody who's out there who's doing such a great job. Thank you for being out there. Uh, it is—it is—it's gone. It's very much appreciated by all of us here, not only at Anheuser Busch but in this country. And I just want to say a, a, a very sincere thank you for doing your job and letting us have the fun on Super Bowl here and and. and you know, just being able to experience the freedom just because you're out there doing your job. So thank you all very much. Well, and we definitely echo those sentiments. Denny, thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you very much, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back, and one of the interesting things about the Super Bowl, it is the most bet-on game of the year in the United States. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, many books have them listed as a seven-point 
favorite. But one of the things I like to keep my eye on, not that I'm a gambler, is the prop bets. And these are all the crazy bets. The first team to score, is it going to be a touchdown, a field goal? Uh the coin like, toss? Yeah, the coin toss. Uh, you know, there used to be, before word got out about who was going to sing the national anthem, was it going to be instrumental or was it going to be sung? Uh, but player to score the first touchdown, Larry Fitzgerald of Arizona and Willie Parker, both listed at 5-1. to one. So uh, Fitzgerald for the Cardinals, Parker for the Steelers, seen by the money, the safe money, as the guys that will be first to score a touchdown. Interestingly enough, Kurt Warner fifteen to one, Ben Roethlisberger fifteen to one. So if either one of those guys takes off and runs it into the end zone for their teams, you've got fifteen to one on that. Uh, total fumbles. Then they've got will Troy Polamalu intercept a pass? And uh, most people say yes, he will intercept a pass. So just interesting. Um, you know what will happen first: an Arizona score or an Arizona punt? Pittsburgh score or a Pittsburgh punt? All kinds of crazy things. And I'm sure everyone listening out there will have all kinds of squares and crazy little wagers going on at their uh, their favorite Super Bowl party. Nathan, uh, you're going to be tearing it up on Super Bowl Sunday? You know, every year I bet on Super Bowl Sunday, I always parlay something. And the, the first thing on the parlay is the coin toss. And the right. last two years I've done the coin toss, I've lost the coin toss right off the bat. So the other four are irrelevant. So, no, I probably won't be betting the economy. Uh, my wife probably won't let me throw any coin down in the Super Bowl this year. Well, at least we know Bobby will throw his, uh, his money around a little bit. And uh, he'll, he'll make SBR look good. All right. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. Denny Galati from Anheuser-Busch really enjoyed our conversation with him and his insight. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck. Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to Sports Business Radio and click on the podcast page. If you want to be our Facebook friend, you can do that as well. Go to our blog at SportsBusinessRadio.com. And don't drink and drive this weekend. If you're going to be at a Super Bowl party, Do not drink and drive. Get a friend to drive you. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at sportsbusinessradio.com.